0: but the thing said accountability now he gave me some hard workouts which if I'm coaching myself I would, wouldn't give myself that hard workout and then he believed that I can do it so, so and, and it's like someone's watching you giving you accountability so I push myself pretty hard in those training runs, and that really makes a difference
1: so here's the question how do runners like us remain active, get stronger, and heal from injuries without being told to stop running and create a healthy life for ourselves so we can continue to hit PRs well into our 40s and 50s? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, physical therapist, running coach, and creator of Spark Physical Therapy, where we help active adults. Be able to run without aches and pains so you can feel good about yourself again. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. This episode is brought to you by UCAN. UCAN Nutrition is powered by Superstarch and it delivers that steady, long-lasting energy without the spike and then the crash. I had to take a moment to spark off this episode and share the exciting news of their long-awaited energy gel called You Can Edge. You Can Edge represents a quantum leap in how runners will fuel for their long runs and their races. It is the first and only on-the-go training fuel powered by SuperStarch. Edge puts you in the ideal performance state by keeping blood sugar stable so you can work smarter and harder. The next generation of sports fuel has arrived, runners, and I've been using UCAN Energy during all of my long runs and races since its inception and love their new Edge Fuel as it is the most delicious energy gel you can find on the market and it's powered by their true, tried, and trusted Superstarch. So you can't go wrong with that. So since you are a part of our Healthy Runner community, you will get 20% off all of your orders at UCAN.co. Just use the code HEALTHYRUNNER during checkout when placing your order. Go ahead and give UCAN Edge a try for your next long run. Trust me, you won't regret it. Hello, and welcome to episode 94 on the Healthy Runner podcast, and we are live within the Healthy Runner Facebook group, and we are having a 2021 Boston Marathon recap episode with our very own Coach Lou. Coach, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Oh, we are super excited to talk about this. Um, we're going to be talking about the 125th running of the Boston Marathon. Coach Lou is going to give us his personal recap. He's going to talk all about his Boston Marathon experience. Um, he's going to give us a little history lesson for those that don't know much about the race. And we're going to talk about, you know, what were the things that helped him, um, pre-race race strategy. And his reflective thoughts after running his first Boston. And not only did Coach Lou run his first Boston marathon, but he did an absolutely phenomenal job and ran a personal best of a sub three, a 258.16, which is amazing amazing. And our whole Healthy Runner community was pulling for this guy. So many people were tracking him um, during the day. And we were just so excited. We had no doubt that you were going to do this because you're just amazing. And we're just like so happy and so um, proud of you, honestly. Um, But for those that are listening to the podcast for the first time, or maybe they're not a part of our Healthy Runner Facebook group, can you just give them a little introduction on
0: who you are, where are you from? Um, let the people know. Hi everyone, I'm Coach Lou. I'm a coach in healthy runner Facebook Facebook group. Um, I'm a in, in a day, my day job is a chemist, but I'm also a ground coach and a personal trainer, and um, yeah, so I'm a moderator in Facebook group, group too. And he
1: is a phenomenal run coach, by the way. This guy is probably one of the most modest guys I know. And I'm the one who had a post about his amazing uh, Boston Marathon time in the group because I knew he wouldn't post it himself. Uh, so as you could tell, uh, Coach Lou is, is very modest and um, he is very humble. And it's probably gonna be hard for him to kind of share some of his wins here. So I will, I will do all the bragging Thanks for you. I will, I will take care of that. But, uh, one of the things that coach Lou is really, um, good at is not only the strategy part of racing, but also that motivation and so much so that I actually started working with coach Lou personally. Um, he was my run coach, uh, that brought me to my fastest half marathon in 15 tries or five years. Um, so he's been instrumental in my running and so many other runners within our healthy runner programs and our coaching programs. Um, he's been on the podcast before. So if you haven't checked out episode 72, um, Coach Lou shared some great, great um, pacing strategies and what paces you should run uh, during your runs. Most runners, you know, you might be hitting the pavement right now listening to this episode and you you might just be doing all your runs at the same pace. So he kind of broke down on why you should do different paces for different runs based upon your goals. So check out episode 72 if you haven't already. Um, you will definitely get a lot of knowledge in that episode, um, which will certainly help you out. And those that are coming on here live in our Facebook, Facebook community. You guys know how we do this, you know, drop your questions for Coach Lou or myself. Um, We'll be happy to answer them. But I really think this episode is going to be really beneficial for those that either don't know anything about the Boston Marathon. So you're new to running. And honestly, up until like two or three years ago, I really didn't know much about the Boston Marathon. And I'm starting to learn more and more or if you're a runner who is looking to qualify for Boston and you're looking to get a BQ, um, Coach Lou, did that and he accomplished that and he ran the race and he smashed the race, right? Those that really are thinking about, you know, trying to get a BQ or you're thinking about running Boston for your first time, or you have run Boston before. And I'm sure like some of the things that coach Lou is going to share with us today are going to bring you back. Uh, some of those memories of heartbreak Hill and, uh, some of the things along the course. So I think you guys We'll enjoy that. And that is a very, very nice medal, by the way. So for those yeah. that are listening on the podcast, coach Lou is showing off his bling uh, his unicorn there, and he's got his race jacket on. Uh, so yeah, you can definitely recognize that jacket, the blue and yellow um, iconic Boston marathon jacket. Um, yeah, that is a very, very nice medal. Uh, you definitely deserve our color you. too. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The spark blue. I know. Definitely. <laughs> I love it. All right. So we kind of talked about, uh, you know, who you are, what's your day job, and how how you work so well with our running community from a coaching standpoint. But tell us a little bit about your run history, because I already shared your accolades and how you really crushed this race. So you must have been running like your whole life, right? You must have like run cross country, track in high school, right? You were probably like one of those elite high school runners.
0: Actually not. Um, I officially started running in 2017. So How old
1: were you in 2017? 32. Okay. So yeah. after you're 30 years old, okay, 32, you started yeah. running. Wow. So that was the first time yeah. you literally like started running.
0: Well, I mean, I run something, but never competitively. Okay. So really start running my first half marathon 2017 and I get so happy with it and then start running my first marathon so it's about only i don't run many marathons because there's so much training and so much impact the body i do every year so starting from 2017 i do roughly one marathon a year and mm-hmm. so boston is my fifth marathon
1: very nice um, and i think that's something that you know many Runners that, you know, I come in contact with who do get some frequent injuries, um, you know, those that are running two to three marathons per year, I think can definitely take a little something um, out of possibly less is more and focusing on like one big kind of race, one big marathon in a year or possibly two. Um, those that are running more, it is definitely, I find, um, you need to have like a special type of body, right? There are those like outliers that, you know, you know who you guys are and definitely those that are into ultra running and doing some crazy miles. um, You guys could probably tolerate that, but the majority of us, like us kind of in the middle there, um, you know, in the bell-shaped curve, like all those in the middle around the mean um, or average, like myself, you know, we definitely wouldn't be able to tolerate multiple marathons per year. So I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's an important, um, take home point as well Is the training is, is hard, right. And it is very hard on your body.
0: Yes. So I usually do four months of like really rigorous training. So I can do at most two per year. So two months, two times, four months, eight months. So then the extra four months is for recovery, You don't train all year round. You need some time for body recovery. And maybe you can focus on the, do more strength training and and cross training or some winter sport if you like, right? So you can do two, but um, if you do more then you really have to plan around um, to let your body recover because our body doesn't get stronger during the training, it's after the training. So it's during the recovery, you need to give the body recovery. And all this training is a stim- stimuli, um, stimulus to let the body grow. But if you don't let the body grow, you will never, never grow. So recovery is very important.
1: Indeed, recovery is super important. And I'm glad that you're highlighting that. Because sometimes, you know, as runners, we have the mentality of like, more is more, and if you don't hit your yeah. goal, just like try harder and just keep running like more and more. And you think that that will, you know, result in a better outcome and a better result. But a lot of times, that's not the right. case. And you actually need, and and we talked about that in our first episode of 2021 um, was like training cycles, and that's kind of what Coach Lou is alluding to is having these different points of the calendar year that you're really focusing on different training cycles. Um, so I'm glad that you kind of highlighted that. So before we get into like some of, you know, why is the Boston Marathon talked about so much and like some of the history around the Boston Marathon, right. can you just share, you know, how did you wind up actually qualifying for Boston?
0: Okay. So yeah, that's a lot of stories. I started my first marathon in 2017. At that time, I don't even know what Boston is. Um, and uh, but, but then, you know, after run, with Running Friends, we talk about Boston, and there's something so special about it. Um, so Boston is the oldest annual marathon in the world, not in the US, in the world. Wow. And in 1868, uh, 1866, that's the the first modern summer Olympic in Athens, Greece. So five people in the BAA, the Boston Athletic Association, which organized the Boston Marathon, they they go to the Olympic game, and there's the first modern marathon there. They get inspired. They came back home with six gold medals. So they get inspired the next year. Boston is born. So that year, 1860, no, 1897, that's a year. So that's an old marathon. And that time it was co- called American marathon because it just, there's nowhere else had a marathon.
1: Wow. I, I never even knew that. Holy cow. Yeah. Right. So that was like the first literally marathon in the United States. Yeah. And they were inspired by the Olympics um, that were happening. Interesting yeah,
0: so annual because um Olympics for a year, but then th- that's the first annual marathon of the whole world, and it has the qualifying time that we say BQ Boston qualified time, and that's pretty competitive. So, f- for example, for people under 30 35 for men, you have to run on, and you have to run a full marathon under a certain cutoff according to the age and gender. So for the young guys under 35, you had to run three hours to qualify for it. And for women under 35, it's three hours and 30 minutes. And the other, in addition, hitting that goal only qualified you to register for it. But then because there are so many people registering for it, there's actually additional cut of time. So that was, um, you had to run a lot faster than that and actually i didn't make the fast the cutoff line last year but i i was lucky i registered for the virtual boston and they opened up so i get the actual chance i get into that i feel so lucky
1: wow yeah because you didn't even think i remember you know you qualified super happy and then then you, you were led to this like disappointment right when you found out that you actually right. didn't get in because and is it because of the pandemic that they closed the field down so there's yes. less actually runners this
0: year yeah so for people under 35 years the males you have to run two hour and 52 minutes super fast marathon to, <laughs> point, to get in so that was it, it was it was crazy but
1: wow wow okay all right so yeah let's get into some of this um you talked about kind of qualifying time and cutoff. Um, What are some other things that make the Boston Marathon, like this iconic marathon that everyone seems to want to do, right? And you see on like people's Instagram, like BQ Chaser, right? Or Unicorn Chaser. Um, You see all like these people making these profiles that like, that's their like main goal in running is to eventually qualify and like run the Boston Marathon. What are some other things about this marathon um, Mm -hmm. that make people want to do it?
0: Sure. So actually, one thing is about the qualifying time. So people's runners are somewhat competitive. Depends, right? So so when you have a high bar there, it feels like it's it's an achievement to even standing at the point. So everyone want to qualify for it, although it's hard. But then that's a achievement everyone to chase it. So that's like a goal, and it's hard, but everyone want to qualify for it, and. The, It gets actually even more popular after 2013, the tragic Boston bomb, and everyone to come over to share the support, the Boston Strong, uh, that's a slogan. So people want to come over. The other thing that's really, really unique, that's just overwhelming support. It has 10,000 volunteers and almost half a million spectators so wow. the Boston Marathon go across eight towns and it's like layers of people and the crowd support just amazing. It, it's, it's, you hear a scream all the time. Oh my God, it's overwhelming. And it's like a holiday of the whole city. The Red Sox, they, they make this um, Patriots Day Monday. And um, in Massachusetts, so the Red Sox they play the game on that day. So after the game, they come over and cheer for the for the runners. And actually, when I, after I run, I just wear this medal, you know, showing showing a little proud afterwards. Of course, going to the parking lot. I'm not like bragging everywhere, but then people saw the medal, then they they look at the the, the clothes, they say, "Oh, congrats!" Like I don't know, then they just like randomly on the parking lot they they congratulate you so like you're very welcome throughout the whole city it feels like it's like a whole party really as of that big big eight eight towns a big party it's it's amazing
1: wow that must feel amazing you know i'm just thinking about how good it felt this year at hartford to like actually have people around cheering you on for race after like all the virtual races we did together during uh covid and i can't even imagine like that times i don't even know like a hundred probably like i can't even imagine running a race and having that much crowd support like pretty much the whole course right like there's never a part of the course where there's like zero people
0: indeed indeed and it's like layers of people it's not like just one layer it's like 10 or more. So like if you are it's like stadium everywhere. It's like right. crazy.
1: Wow. And yeah, what is this? And it's scre- already
0: reduced. It's already reduced actually due to that COVID. So it was mm-hmm. even more before.
1: Yeah, what's the whole deal with the scream tunnel? And like <laughs> okay. I heard I heard something about that, like a whole university, right? They go and cheer.
0: Right. So that's a there are two things interesting things about Boston. One, the famous screen tunnel is around the half marathon point 13.1 near the Wellesley College, the all women college. They actually, in their school university website, they said this is a Wellesley tradition. And Marathon Monday, thousands of women stand along half a quarter of the course both sides shouting so loud you can hear from miles away and and they they also give um high five and even kisses oh my goodness not this year because of covid (laughs) okay but (laughs) but um they also make a lot of signs like oh, oh my god the fans both sides like full with signs funny ones motivational ones they actually have a facebook group to customize it
1: oh my they are like
0: making it really seriously like people there make it really seriously it's like a big event yeah that's uh, that's the crowd support
1: okay all right Screen so tunnel. we got this kind of scream tunnel and then i've heard many people talk about this heartbreak hill what is heartbreak hill when does it occur in the race and why is it called heartbreak hill <laughs>
0: Okay, so it's a big hill around mile 21 to 22, mind Ooh. you. The, so right when marathon, the race is
1: at the hardest part, okay. Right, so marathon
0: 26 <laughs> miles, and you hit, hit it at mile 21 to 22, and that's in a new term town. So that's already after a few rolling hills, mile 21. And why it's called heartbreak, not leg broken, right? <laughs> because... Many people actually get it wrong. Actually, I was wrong before after, before I did this research. So it's in the 40th Boston Marathon, 1936. And uh, this guy, Johnny Kelly, pat a uh, runner in front. I think it's uh, some um, Mr. Burke pat on the back when he passed him to show some support and then Mr. Burke get uh, you know motivated, and then like and then just speed up and eventually won the game. Wow! So that broke okay. the heart. That broke the heart of the Mr. Kelly. Oh my so goodness! That's, that's actually where the heartbreak come from.
1: Ah! Wow! Interesting. I know you would just think that it was called that because you know people like that's where they basically hit the wall and it breaks their heart that they were pacing well. And now their race is like in the tubes. Um, but yeah, it's a really steep hill basically at when most people are hitting the wall of, you know, 26.2. Okay. All right. Um, so let's talk about some of your, Race preparation, if that's okay with you, um, sure. you know. Tell us, did you wind up, you know, staying overnight? Were you in a hotel at a friend's apartment, or you know, where did you stay? If you could, you know, let us know. Were you able to sleep? Were you like anxious and all of that? Yeah, tell me kind of the day before, you know, the race.
0: Okay, actually, two days before. So it start from actually Hartford. I was cheering for our crowds in Hartford. See so many people, get the PRs, yes. so happy to be part of that, including you. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> after Harvard, I drove directly to Boston to stay at my friend's house. And then actually it happens that I have so many friends that are run in Boston. So we run, we stay together, so we uh, so we talk and we get a free field together, <laughs> we carb load, and actually. Not just carb load. There's hydration load, water loading, and uh, electrolyte loading that I didn't pay attention to. But they said that the day before the race, you not just drink water, not just drink, drinking, um, eat a lot, but also add, start to adding electrolytes so that your body is not is bad, well balanced with um, electrolytes and water and carbs. Same thing the day bef- on the race and i was pretty lucky i slept eight hours i usually sleep don't sleep that much which is i should improve on that i slept the eight hours the day before no two days before the race and the day before the race so that's amazing i feel very well rested
1: that's great yeah wow that's great that you got in eight hours and even the night before because i know some people get like super you know nervous anxious it's like you're excited right even like Waiting for well, this moment for a long time. But yeah, you were able to fall right, right to
0: sleep. I guess um, also because of this support, right? So the whole Help Be Running Group, I had to say thank you again. It's oh my God, so many support from Help Be Running Group. And um, I got that before the race. And uh, yeah, I was so touched. And I feel like I'm not just running for myself, I'm running for the whole group, I'm I'm sharing my um, experience with you, so I, I get so in touch, and so I replied, I tried to reply, um, hit love, and then for all the all the comments, and then just force myself to fall asleep, and I tell myself, you're gonna run, if you're gonna run, you probably, but you'd better sleep well, and I use the, the meditation app called Calm, that usually help with sleeping
1: nice okay calm app nice little tip there for those that need a little help with sleeping uh to kind of calm you down um all right so you got good sleep you were staying with friends who were also running the race as well right right okay um let's talk about um yeah, maybe we'll do that. So, like the morning of the race, so let's talk about mm-hmm. that before we get into the actual course and strategy. Like, what does the morning of the race look like? How, how early do you have to get there? Um, are are there different shuttles? Um, how does that all work out?
0: Okay, so Boston is point to point, point. and that usually they recommend you to. So it it goes from West Hop, Hopkinton all the way east, a few towns to Boston. So they recommend you start at the back bay of Boston and go to the shuttle over there and they will transport you to the start line. Okay. And that the the, the time depends on your BIP. So they um, sort of categorize your, based on your expected finish time, actually your Boston qualifying time. time. So fast runner, you start faster and you start earlier, and slow runners start slightly slower. And um, because this year is different too because it's because of COVID, right? So it's some rolling start, but generally it's the same. You go to the bar bus, you go to the finish line, you um, so you can get you can do every, you get your gear check at the finish line, and you get a little bag that can carry to the finish carry it on your bus on the bus to the start line but you had to throw it away so so then you go to the bus which take like 30 minutes slightly over 30 minutes before in the start line you had to wait at the athlete athlete's village to for hours before you actually start but this year you just go there and go oh nice it's so So, good i know nice so what time did you actually start your race I start at nine 30, but okay. So I haven't gotten my, my food the day before, before landing on the bus. So in the morning, when I get up, I get, I ate two bagels. That's a lot, but, but I, but that was like three hours before the race. So I get up at slightly before six o'clock, five something. Cause I'm starting running at nine 30. So there are like three or four hours. I figure two bagels. Yeah. It's fine. Right. It's carb. So I, I was actually a little full. I pretty I was pretty full, two bagels, um, and it's carbs. It's, you want to have something that's easily digestible. Mm-hmm. Bagel works, and get some noon before that, and so carry my you can bar with me. Right. Nice. So you took your right. you
1: can uh, bar with you. So you, did right. you wind
0: up having that like on the shuttle or something like that? No, I. So after getting to that um, star line, I usually want to warm up, right? So I did the dynamic warm up. Yes, <laughs> and yes. Then, yeah. And then um, a little jog for like a mile and then come back because I was so full. Um, I only ate half of the can bar. This is this like very rarely happened. <laughs> I, only, I was able to eat half a can bar. But um, but but yeah, it, I know it lasts forever. So I have that you can bar, um, and guess drink some water and um, go to the bathroom and then yeah, ready to go.
1: Ready to rock. Oh man. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, actually, you know, you can is sponsoring this episode, coach Lou. So we got to give them a shout out. They've been a sure. huge supporter of the podcast. So we thank our friends over at you can. And for those uh, that don't know, you guys always get a nice little healthy runner discount. If you use the code healthy runner at checkout, um, I love their bars. Um, I have them for snack all the time or before even a workout, maybe like an hour or two before. Um, so yeah, that's what coach Lou had some of that after his, two bagels yeah bagel i would be a stuffed if i had two bagels um yeah but you needed it bad you were performing and the carbs were your fuel right that was you your needed. energy you needed um for your race and i know you mentioned kind of that dynamic warm up for those new to the podcast new listeners um, if you didn't know, we have actually a healthy runner kind of five minute dynamic warm up um, for you to do to kind of prep your body for go time, either before your daily runs, your strength workouts or race day. Um, so I will drop that in the show notes. Um, especially if you're new to the podcast, I haven't really dropped that link in a long time now. Um, but that's what we give our clients to do. So check that out. It's been very helpful. Um, many runners, especially if you're the type of runner, when you hit the road, you're like, you feel like your legs are like lead blocks for like the. First mile. Trust me, do the warm up before you go out. So then you hit the road and your legs are feeling, you know, fresh, essentially. They're feeling warmed up. Um, it really, really preps the body for running. So if you haven't tried a dynamic warm up before your runs, you definitely have to give it a try. I'll drop that link in the show notes um, below. All right. So let's get into uh, kind of the strategy for the race. And then if you could talk about specifically like this course. Like what makes Boston special in terms of the course? I know you said it's, you know, a one way. So, you know, you're not doing a loop. You're not coming back to the start. And you mentioned Heartbreak Hill, round mile 21. But is there anything else that runners who are running this for the first time need to really consider either in terms of race strategy or even during their training?
0: Yes. So the course, the first half, first half is essentially downhill, very gradual downhill. And especially at the end, it's about when you see those um, Wellesley (laughs) screams, (laughs) we'll hear those screams, that's like the end of the downhill. And after that, it starts to go up. So if you go too fast, then you kind of break your leg. Because the second part, you get into the rolling hills in Newtown. So that's, Around miles 17 to 21, they're rolling hills. And after 21, it goes downhill again. And for many people, they actually a lot of veterans they say it's the downhill after the 21 is as hardest because you beaten up your cross so much that you're just so painful going downhill. So my strategy is in the first half. Going downhill, I control my pace. I don't go too fast. So I don't break my quads. And then slightly up, um, going uphill, take it easy. So then I have some reserve going downhill. And that goes back to a strategy that has been used in our Hartford too. That has been so successful for everyone that I always boast, like, advocate. First two miles, go slow, go slow, very slow. So my average pace is 644 for the marathon. And by the first two miles downhill, downhill, I was running seven minutes per mile, 7.03. It's like 20 seconds slower than my marathon pace going downhill. Like, that I'm had slowing. to be
1: hard. That had to be hard, it's, right? It's really hard. Bat, no, everyone's like...
0: running faster than I did. Yeah. But um, but, but I know, um. If you could start too fast, you're gonna pay the toll afterwards. And this year actually, because the rolling start, it's a little, a little less crowded. So it's easier to keep your slow pace. And, and also like before the race, I did some easy jogging a mile. So that's also helping you with loosen up your, your, your muscle. So the first two miles really slow and essentially like a third, third, third. So the first, two miles slow, and then from mile two to six, I usually use that time to ease into your pace that you're going to be able to to hold. You feel like you are able to hold for the entire race at that specific day, specific condition, weather condition. And then from mile six to 20, yeah, six to 20, you just hold that space, keep your, um, be confident of your training. So that's Hold steady, go on the, the pace, and then from twenty to the end, that's where this the restart. It's a ten k, so you go all the all you can. Although in Boston it's slightly different because seventeen to twenty one are hills, so I just I just start my race after mile twenty one. But you see, they essentially the same strategy, like really slow conservative start, and then steady middle section and then like fast finish and that way i actually get a negative split uh with a net downhill in the first part and i feel like my my body is not like destroyed afterwards and you feel strong you feel like you're in control of the whole race yep yeah that's a strategy
1: That's amazing, especially it sounds like that's more impressive on this type of course, because I shared in my kind of half marathon reflection a couple episodes ago, how that's how I felt in Hartford that that was like literally the first race where like I felt strong, like up until literally, you know, 10 and a half now like mile 11, about part where Francisco passed me, uh, like mile 11. Uh, he's on the live by the way. So what's up Francisco? How are you? Um, like mile 11, that's when it really started getting hard, right. Uh, for me for the half marathon, but I felt strong throughout. I would just imagine with that downhill beginning of the race, Um, you know, so many people must start out so fast and it's probably hard because it feels easy, right? It's like, it feels easy for you initially. So the fact that you were able to really hold back and just like run smart, knowing that you hold back in the beginning, and then you're going to be able to feel stronger at the end and get through that, um, And the other point that you made that I think is very helpful for people to understand why the downhill is an issue is when you're running downhill, your quad muscles are basically decelerating you so they contract what we call eccentrically so it's like when you do slow lowering or if you're ever doing strength training and you're doing like negatives sometimes people call them negatives where you're it's when the muscles lengthening it's contracting and you're basically using those quads a lot whenever you're going downhill running um so that's where a lot of people kind of like you mentioned, just feel that lactic acid buildup and just like the burn in their quads, like they're just getting fried, um, yes. because of that downhill running, it will definitely put some more stress. And I'm kind of curious here, um, Lou, did you, were you aware of that and do you change your running form at all running downhill to prevent yes. yourself from like putting on the brakes essentially because when you put on the brakes and you contract that muscle then it's used more and then it's gonna fatigue out right later in the race. Like were you thinking about that with your running form?
0: Yes. I wrote a whole post about downhill running. So yeah you you are getting faster but um, the things that keep do not overstride. So if you if you look at look look down, so try to lean forward. Actually, you are not leaning forward because, but you feel like it because the hill, because of hill. So try to be more straight. If for the bystander point of view, you are actually standing straight. So, but most of us are like leaning back. So that's that's something you need to avoid, and you have to practice for on that. So um, try to be straight, and. Reduce the stride, so you don't overstride. It's gonna be slightly bigger, but don't overstride. That when your leg hits the ground, your knee should have little little bend. So that's no overstride, and in, in, increase the cadence, and really just like breathe. You don't like get too excited and go too fast, so, and that that's the that's the thing the downhill running you had to re- practice on that a little bit and it's nice. not like a big downhill running so th- there are actually difference when you run like huge downhill and and like gradual downhill when you like going this straight downhill then you do need to break you do have to lean backwards but for this just the thing i just mentioned that will be helpful
1: okay no that's super helpful um and yeah, I think it's so important for runners to think about. And this is what I think about when I am, you know, running on that decline is, is that cadence is so much more important than that leg turnover and just turning over those legs um, a little bit faster. And you'll, you'll notice at races too, you'll wind up probably passing people that are putting on the brakes and what they don't understand is they're putting on the brakes too much, which is actually Mm -hmm. frying their muscles um, because the way gravity works, right, is it's going to help you actually go down the hill if you can get that leg turnover and increase your cadence um, as you're going down that hill. So I think that's definitely you know, even more important for a course like Boston, right? Is to make sure that you are familiar and you've trained on hills and, you know, you know what strategy you're going to, you know, do as you're going down the hill.
0: If you go, if you go down too fast, you won't, will not feel it immediately. But then after the rolling hills in Newton, when you go downhill again, that, that mile 21, then you feel it. That's why I heard everyone complaining about the last five miles going downhill, but your quality just beaten up then.
1: Hey, healthy runners, are you ready for your glow up? Have you guys heard the news yet? Knox gear signature product, the tracer, which I have been glowing about, see what I did there for the better part of nine months now has just been re-engineered for a better fit higher visibility, more color modes, and twice the LEDs for your brightest move yet with the Tracer 2. All of our healthy runners use Knox gear during this time of the year when the days are getting shorter in order to get in those runs, even if it is dark outside. One of my pet peeves is when I'm driving and I don't see a runner until the last minute because they're not visible because they're not using Knox gear. We are all about runner health on this podcast, and Knox Gear's Tracer 2 is an essential running tool to keep you safe and visible while running. The Tracer 2 keeps me lit up from all directions during my 5.30 a.m. runs, and I always get shout-outs and comments from other walkers and people traveling in cars because they notice the light display I'm giving off. If you are looking for running gear that will actually help you stay safe while running, We've got a special offer for you where you can save 35% off by using the code HEALTHYRUNNER. Just head to NoxGear.com. that's N-O-X-G-E-A-R.com, and use the code HEALTHYRUNNER at checkout to save 35% off. Go ahead and give NoxGear a try. Trust me, you will never feel safer running. Yeah, so you actually ran negative splits for that like last 10k that's yes. amazing that is amazing so,
0: so that the, the other thing that brings in uh, as you emphasize the marathon just so much mental so before so before before the race I if if i run a go to a race and say i'm gonna run sub three then probably i'm gonna be too excited and then run a pretty horrible strategy but then this time i just go there my first goal for every race is enjoy it so you go to the race if you really want to break some pr you just go to the track and run around they're gonna be flat but you go to a race because of the people the, the support so when i get there i feel the support of people i feel the healthy runner the support of people checking me shout out for, for you and um, i feel the support i feel like a It's amazing i'm so touched so i'm enjoying the every minute of the race and and actually i was after mile two i i went um i saw this woman christy christine and she happened it's so rare that i found someone we are like the same pace from mile two all the way to 21 so she's pretty steady but i I use my um, wrong walk strategies. I walk through the A station. Yeah. Um, and every single A station you walk through. The first three I skipped, but then okay. And from I think from six to six six to sixteen, I do every other, and from sixteen to twenty, I go for every every um, A station. So Boston have A station every mile. And that's another thing unique. So it has Gatorade, at least three tables each side, Gatorade, and then water, another three tables each side. And so I walk. So I'll check. There's no people behind me. Then I just, or I just shout, I'm stopping, and I go slowly into that uh, the Gatorade station, get the, the Gatorade, and then keep walking get the water, I, I drink half of it and then pour the remaining on my head. Then I keep going, get another uh, cup of water, put it in my mouth without sl- swallowing it and then put the other thing on, on my chest. So when it gets hot, so that, that's really helpful. And so that's it's slowly, slightly slowing down when walking but then I always pick up pace. Then i meet my friend, Christine. Um, so Did
1: you talk to her during the race or no? You like yes. talked to her after
0: you talked to her during the race. Yes. So no, that's the other thing, how we can keep, keep it easy. We are having conversations, very nice conversations and we encourage each other. We say, Oh, let's break, break together. And, um, the people cheer for me. I'll cheer for her because, uh, I I was with the band club. That's a local club. That's like, a like very well known, forty six of us are running in Boston. Oh wow! So so everyone say go Ben, and I feel like my friends, nobody's cheering. For us. <laughs> I, I I say oh go Christine, and and, <laughs> and then when I feel hard, it's like especially after I fall follow behind, I fall behind after those uh, hills and uh, A stations. She she come she said oh you can do it. So that's uh, so we encourage each other all the way to mile 21. But then I, at mile 21, um, when the race when started, really hard. You're like, right. all right, race game on, let's do this. And I, I think I put my in you know, a healthy runner uh, Facebook. I said, I'm going to give all I can. So I promised, and I was thinking of all you, all of you guys in healthy runner. And I think every encouragement you're supporting me and I know people are checking me. I feel like I should go and um, it's hard. I know it's hard and definitely not fresh, but I feel like hmm, it's not painful. So I can go and I'll see just how, how much it goes. And I, di- I, didn't, I didn't cramp this time. So I used to cramp before, but um, it didn't cramp this time and uh, just finished really strong. And I also have my gel every five miles. Mm-hmm. So the first first gel, I had it at mile six, and then seven, 11, and then 15, 20, 20. Yeah, that's it. We're um, using e-gel. And uh, it has slightly more um, electrolytes so that that's, um, that may help with uh, muscle cramp. And it's not a really hot day too. It's yes, yeah.
1: So for those that don't know again, this was an episode we did over a year ago now with uh, Crank Sports um, and egel, and they've been nice enough to offer our healthy runner uh, community a discount as well. So if you guys, want to check uh their product out it's cranksports.com uh if you use the code healthyrunner um that will get you 20% off um, off your purchase um that's what i've been using um for you know my races as well and i do like the fact that it has more electrolytes in it especially if you are running a hotter or you know a sweatier race um you know the makeup of a lot of the gels out there are very different, right? So, you know, the UCAN edge product is another great product that gives like long-lasting energy, um, but doesn't necessarily have electrolytes in it, right? So the e-gel has electrolytes. Um and I know, you know, many of my athletes use different products. So they all have kind of pros and cons. So it really depends upon what your needs are um, for you personally. And then like what are the conditions that you're going to be running in. Um, so, you know, think about that, um, when you are thinking about your fuel for your runs, I just had a conversation with one of my athletes right before we got on here, um, about that as she's getting ready for her first half marathon in 16 years, Lou. How amazing is that? Yeah. She's going to be super excited when she give her a little shout out Jeanette. Um, she's, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for her and she didn't think she would ever get back uh, to this point. So she's, uh, we had that conversation though. Um, she's doing the St. Jude um, half marathon. Um, I know it's a big race and a big, uh, a lot of people do it for a great cause. Um, so, okay. so proud of her and excited, but all right. So you did your gels, you talked about water hydration. We talked about kind of how the race went and you were really just pushing, you know, mentally at the end, like you had to get through, did you yes. use mantras at all? Did you,
0: did you have like some specific mantras that you were using? usually I, I just talk myself you can do it but now most of the time I was I, I was actually have someone to talk with so I say you can do it to Christine and then she said you can do it too so that's that's helpful and the in the end I think I was really just thinking of the I'm really thinking of you guys uh, the support the people supporting me in healthy runner and in a local running community there's in you know, my in my town people cheering and I was already really, really thinking of these people. I was thinking I'm going to run for you. And uh, yeah, so that's really what carries me over.
1: Nice. Yeah. Well, you, you definitely, uh, you, you stepped up, uh, your game and you stepped up to the challenge, uh, during that hardest part of the race, running negative splits, getting a PR, um, pretty amazing for your first Boston marathon, um, I've heard of many people running it and it's like, they always remember their first cause it wasn't a great experience usually. Um, and then, you know, they run it again and they get, you know, they, they're familiar with the course, they get faster. Um, let's talk about, you know, kind of lessons learned from, you mentioned this was your fifth marathon you know, how have you grown, um, as a marathon runner? Um, what are some of the lessons that you learned from like that first marathon to this fifth marathon?
0: Okay. So first marathon, like many people, I have only one speed, 5k, 10k half marathon, marathon, one speed flat. At that time I was at the time when people say about Boston, I checked that, um, the qualifying time because i i don't even know i can get faster um at that time i think i was running eight minutes per mile for everything and then i look at that oh, eight minutes per mile can get me to boston at age of 60 <laughs> so that's what i'm thinking okay i may run boston at age of 60 all
1: right so that's what i'm shooting for age 60 <laughs> that i can get a bq
0: <laughs> but now you have coach so so that's what i'm going to talk about the second Second marathon, essentially the same method, but just gets faster. So it was 7.45 for all speed again, but slightly faster.
1: Okay. So you're doing the same exact pace basically from mile one to mile 26. Okay. So you did like um, a 7.46. At that
0: time, I don't even know that's the strategy. I, I don't know how I go. I probably just go by few. You just I went and ran. <laughs> right. But since, um, since the third marathon, which I become the Jack Daniel, I start learning Jack Daniel's philosophy and that's when I become the run coach from. Um, I get my easy run really easy. One minutes, one minute per mile at least slower than my previous r- easy run. But my marathon pace get one minute per mile faster. So that's two minutes difference already there. And then I, I I did my hard runs really hard, <laughs> like, and, and that really helps that helps. Um, and that year in, in almost just 10 months, I guess, 16 minutes PR in the marathon. So, wow. and I missed my Boston qualified time by 34 seconds. So that was, wow.
1: yeah, that yeah. was an impressive year. So, yeah, so becoming a, you know, a certified run coach, you really learned kind of the strategies on how to get faster by having that dichotomy in your training where your easy runs are easy and your hard runs are hard, right? They're fast. And having those differences in the pieces that you're doing on a weekly basis allowed you to actually improve your marathon time Um, again, I think it's worth highlighting. We've talked about it many times on different episodes um, and you know, many people who have shared their story on, you know, how they got faster. Um, So I can't highlight and stress that enough because I still come in contact with so many runners who are trying to get faster and every single time they go out the door, they're trying to run faster, right? So they're running their easy runs too fast. And they're, they're like not getting faster because they're, they're plateauing essentially, right? They're hitting their wall. Um, so slow down for those easy runs and then add in you know, the specific runs such as you know, the faster workouts, such as tempo runs, um, such as interval runs. So a lot of the things that we've talked about in previous episodes, I did an episode on three types of runs. Um, so you can check that out on the podcast where I talk about the differences in those runs. Um, but that's really what Coach Lou kind of implemented was, and he wound up shaving 16 minutes off of his uh, marathon time and you just missed your BQ. So then what was the difference between kind of just missing that and then eventually getting your BQ? Was there any difference in your training that
0: year? Um, so after that, that's marathon number f- three, right? Three to four essentially same threat strategy and I got um, three hour and fifty seconds so just just missing the three hour a little bit. but then this year I have my own coach. So we have some that the training some is pretty similar to what I have a little little more tempo runs, but it's similar philosophy but the thing that accountability now. <laughs> he gave me some hard workouts, which if I'm coaching myself, I wouldn't give myself that hard workout. And then he believed that I can do it. So, so, and, and it's like someone's watching you, giving you accountability. So I pushed myself pretty hard in those training runs and that really make a difference.
1: Yeah. And I, I I couldn't agree more. I, you know, you did the same thing for me. Um, and I did harder workouts than I would have ever gave myself during this last training cycle. And obviously that worked for me. Um, and obviously it worked for you. And I think it's just highlighting, you know, having someone that can give you that objective viewpoint, um, is, is important to be able to assess where you are as a runner, because we assess ourselves in a little different way. Right. And even those of us who are run coaches, um, you know, we know the strategies, we know how to program and plan for others, but you're going to probably design something different for yourself if you weren't yourself, right? If you were an outsider kind of looking in. So it is, it does work. It is helpful. um, And I've certainly seen the benefit. And obviously you have as well um, during this last year and how you shaved more time off and yeah, just having that accountability is huge too. And, you know, like you and I are, are self-starters, like we don't really need motivation to exercise, um, but that level of accountability, it is because you know, you're like, I know my coach can see this on my training calendar. And I know he's going to see like, if, am I hitting my paces or not? Um, right. It does give you that little bit of pump, right? That little bit of motivation when, you know, otherwise you might've rolled out of bed and been like, ah, I'm feeling kind of achy today. I'm kind of tired. I, you know, it's been a rough week at work this week. Um, it still provides you that little bit of motivation that you need to get in the those hard workouts because like coach lou said it is those hard workouts that you have to get in not every day but those specific workouts during your week that you need to hit in order to improve that running fitness and get faster um as a runner so i'm glad that you know you've seen the benefit in that and you've invested in coaching yourself i invested in coaching myself and you know it definitely works. Um, Has there been anything else that you think attributed to, you know, your quads not burning out um, with all the downhill running? We kind of talked about, you know, you improving your cadence and, you know, changing your running form a little bit.
0: Was there anything else that you think uh, prepared you for Boston? Yeah, the strength training is amazing Um, because especially going hills, doing hills, both uphill and downhill, you need the, the quads and hamstring to get ready for it and yeah, also sure. also balance too, <laughs> but that's a different thing. I'm gonna talk about something I need to improve on. So yes. the strength training <laughs> is so important.
1: All right. So really what coach Lou is saying is remember before I mentioned that your quads are being used during that downhill. So you need to actually strength train them in a way that they're going to be used when they run. So even specifically thinking about, okay, how can I, you know, train my quads that it's going to work eccentrically. And I'm focusing when my foot's on the ground and my knee is bending, which is what it does when it runs. Right. So again, for those of you who are You know, your strength training, you're still thinking of, hey, I go to the gym, I sit down in a machine, I kick my leg up, I'm working my quads. It's an okay exercise. Yes, you are strengthening your quads, you're contracting your quad. It's an isolation exercise. Um, We use it to isolate quad muscles, um, especially if someone had a lot of arthritis in their knee and they couldn't tolerate a lot of running. Um, maybe that's a non-weight bearing exercise that their knees can tolerate, but for 98% of you out there who are running right now, um, you're going to be better served by strengthening your quads with your foot on the ground. So whether or not it's a single leg squat, a, you know, a step down exercise, Um, Those are going to really focus on strengthening your quads, or we have one in our healthy runner strength program um, that you're kneeling and you're kind of leaning back using the quads eccentrically um, as you kind of lean back. So all of those are run specific exercises. And actually I I believe I shared this in the previous episode. Yes. And how we kind of met um, when COVID first hit and, you know, coach Lou was actually one of the first in the original healthy runner strength program, which was the, at the time I called spark fitness. It was literally me in my living room. And for a nominal fee, I had a bunch of people jump on zoom and go through the workouts with me that I kind of designed because I had some extra time. And I wanted to share with our running community, you know, strength specific work that I've been working on for years and integrating my knowledge as physical therapist, strength coach, you know, all of that into what do runners need? Um, so I think, you know, that's something that, you know, if, if you're looking for that edge and you haven't done strength training yet specific for running, um, I think that can really help you out, especially for a race like Boston, that is going to be really hard on your
0: quads. Yeah. I noticed that my friends, cause it's not uncommon that runners hate strength trainings. <laughs> so so my friends are they are like after the race they they cannot go up uh, go upstairs and downstairs um, and i feel normal no problem so it's really i think the muscle really helps yeah so even really the recovery
1: helps. process you're saying yeah you're you weren't feeling it as much because your muscles were conditioned essentially. Um, all right. So as we kind of come down to the end here, if you can give me some rapid kind of bullet point, um, I know, you know, you're very reflective as well. And, um, just like I did after my race, I'm sure there's some things that you really feel that, you know, like, what did you do right? And that you can share with our community. Um, so people can learn from that and maybe integrate that into their training. Um, and then maybe we could talk about like, Hey, what didn't you do? Right. And maybe you can improve upon, um, in the future. Can you, can we kind of run through those? What do you think?
0: Yeah. So I think, uh, especially for this, for this course downhill course, um, I think the strength training is really helpful. And the other thing is, um, the carb loading and, so in addition to car loading that the water loading and the mineral loading <laughs> electrolyte loading that are important too and and the strategy oh my god it has been seen ever since that uh you know um harford and then chicago and boston so many people get their like huge prs with that strategy um so the strategy. As we say, like um, a race performance, ninety percent is from that your training, ten percent from the race day weather things. But the strategy actually can make a huge difference along. So, had I start too fast, I probably get gonna end up slower. Because um, I ran into many people who was actually a lot faster than I do, but they didn't do as well because the and. They they go slightly too fast. I I was trying to run with them, but then I feel like they run too fast. I had to fall back, but eventually I passed them. So the strategy is really important, and I had to say thank you for this running community. The support support is really important. Yes, like so many people supporting me, checking me, um, motivating me, and uh, I'm so grateful that. Uh, And so mental is so important for that for for the race, especially for the endurance race. My first goal is always just to finish without injury and to enjoy the race. And then after that, that becomes whatever time goal it is. So these, and and the, the other thing is the wrong walk method. So that's something that I start implementing that you may imagine that, oh, runner you should run all the way through but i but but actually well there if you really if you just stop if you stop and cannot go up then that's bad but 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 i try to practice in the long run and feels fine that i stop stop every one or two miles which is like essentially walking through the a station and so you don't get choked you get more calm you can say thank you to them Mm -hmm. so, so, that's a good recovery that works too. Um, and the heat training that in the summer during the heat that goes very well for, for, for race performance. So, all this works very well. What I'm not doing so well <laughs> single leg stability. I need to improve on that a little more because I twist my ankle twice. <laughs> oh my God, twice before the yeah,
1: race that was a little scary right that was like two weeks before your race, you, you sprained your you
0: <laughs> and two days again yeah so if i can if i can blame the first one for the cyclist the second one is really myself and uh, and i think it just stability is not quite there um with uneven ground i just twist it so i need to improve on that single leg stability the other thing is about race that for this, um, any race that you need to wait for a while, you start very cold. So I was freezing. I was feeling freezing. Glad that um, my friend have um, made a jacket out of the trash bag. So I was able to hold myself. She has extra, she knows someone else needed. So Oh gave wow. it to me and I, I saved my day. Cause I know someone who, who was frozen and then they just didn't go very well because they are like pretty in the they're already too cold when they start. And so that, that, that will help. that um or use some like old t shirt that you want to throw away. Yep. So so that's something you can improve. So make and sure the other that you're
1: is, warm enough right. in the before the race starts. Okay.
0: Right. The the, the, the last one is the so tap. Um I, I used to cramp. Mm-hmm for the first three marathons, four, three, four marathon, three, maybe, yeah, first three marathons, and um, it, it happened to be warm weather, so this time it's actually not that warm, so I was able to get by, but I, I think I will try that in my long runs the next time, because when you sweat a lot, you don't just sweat water, you sweat the electrolytes too. On the race, um, on the course, you get a gatorade has some electrolytes, and your gel has some electrolytes, but you still are uh, disturbing the balance. And I think I did, I was able to get by this time because I didn't sweat that much. But if that's a hot day, you sweat a lot, especially when you see the salt, salt crystals on your skin. Then you probably need the salt tabs. If you if you um, the balance is out. If, if your body is out of the balance of the electrolytes it's so easy to get muscle cramp cramp but that's something i should improve on
1: yeah no definitely i started using those this year and i noticed a huge difference and a lot of like when we ran that half marathon in cheshire in july Um, so a lot of runners cramping up and I was using those cell tabs and I didn't cramp up. Um, so yeah, I recommend that to all my marathon runners, honestly. Um, I think the weather conditions were pretty good for you. It was a little humid though, right?
0: That day was a little humid, but since I trained through the summer, it wasn't too bad.
1: Yep. Nice. Nice. Awesome. So no, those are super beneficial. Some things that worked, um, some things that you can improve upon. We all learn and grow from every single race experience. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so if you're a runner right now and you're listening to some of this and you're like, wow, how did like coach Lou figure all this out? And you're, you've been struggling to kind of like put all the pieces together. Maybe you can't stay healthy. You're getting this chronic Achilles issue that keeps creeping up or, you know, you're just not improving as a runner and you're not getting faster and you want to be able to get a BQ or you want to be able to actually like run Boston and like crush it like coach Lou did. Um, and you want to learn how to strength train in order to run and like, just stop throwing random exercises that you found on YouTube, um, and call that your strength training program. Um, if you're really serious about taking your running, your health kind of to the next level, put the pieces all together. Um, like all of our athletes um, have done our brand new healthy runner coaching program that Coach Lou is a part of, and the rest of our coaching team works with you one-on-one to provide you the structure, take the guesswork out of what you need to do for a run plan, for a strength plan, and then you get the whole support of our coaching team, as well as all our athletes that are in our program. So Many times in today's episode, Coach Lou talked about like thinking about our community, right? And having that community. This was like all of our athletes in our programs, like all the people he was cheering on in Hartford that ran um, the marathon or the half marathon in Hartford, you know, we've been kind of pumping each other up and you know sharing tips and things like that so we do have a community element to all of our kind of one-on-one coaching program um so if you're like hey let's do this or i want to work with coach lou like my goal is to get a bq like obviously this guy's figured it out and obviously this guy's experience running this hard course and he crushed it um let's jump on a strategy call and see if you're a good fit, um, to work with coach Lou or any of our coaches, um, in our healthy runner team. And so you can crush your next running goal. Um, I will drop the link, um, in the show notes to just, Grab a slot on my calendar and we can chat and see if you're a good fit. Um, If you want to learn more about our coaching program, just head to sparkyourtraining.com and then just hit coaching. Um, You can learn a little bit more about our services there. Um, Coach Lou, like this has been awesome. Like I loved hearing about your experience. Um, If runners who are listening to this want to connect with you more, how can they uh, connect
0: with you? So I'm a coach in Help you run a group. I'm a moderator. And I have my Instagram, Lucio Ronfinis. And I have my Facebook account. So yeah, you can you can find me.
1: And we will definitely drop all those links in the show notes. Um, um Lou is very active on Facebook, um, Instagram, you message him, he'll message you back. Um, so I'll drop all of those links. Um in the show notes. So, guys who are here on Facebook Live, thank you so much for attending. Uh, we appreciate you as always. Hit that like. Give Coach Lou a couple of hearts. Um, let him know that you appreciated this. And you know, give me, <laughs> give me. Let's do this. Let's do a little reflective. What was like the one thing you took away from this episode? Um, let me know in the comments below. Um, if you're listening to this on the podcast, like shoot me a DM and in Instagram, um, at spark your training. Let me know what was most helpful, even better yet screenshot this episode, throw it in your story, tag me, um, let us know what you found most helpful and learned, um, from coach loot today. Um, I am like just super excited. Um, I'm just so proud of you, honestly, for your accomplishments. And it's My just so great seeing to, someone who's here. <laughs> work so hard. And like, you've been super consistent and you're super motivational for everyone in our community. And you share so much knowledge, um, within our healthy runner Facebook group guys who are not in the, in the group, like coach Lou just drops like some serious knowledge Um, and it's super helpful. Um, I refer many of my athletes to a lot of his posts, um, to learn more about running, whether it's pacing, race strategy, uh, nutrition, right? Like so many great things that you've shared. Um, so we appreciate you. Thanks again for coming on the show. It's
0: my pleasure to share. And, um, yeah, so, so hope you, hopefully you enjoy your runs and, uh, have fun have fun. We got to always have fun. Uh, guys remember
1: every week we go live within the healthy runner Facebook group. So keep us in mind on your schedule, check out the events tab, uh, to find out what is the next topic that can help you join us live within Facebook to get your questions answered, join the conversation. Um, and I thank you for listening. Um, as always let's stay active, let's stay healthy and let's just keep on running until next time guys. Bye. Hey, wait a minute, just to let you guys know much of what you heard on this episode is delivered live within our healthy runner free Facebook group. So head over to there to request to join our community in which you will have access to the video version of this episode and so many bonus features, including blog article references and YouTube video links, as well as me answering your specific running related questions. Also, we are closing in on 50 reviews on iTunes, which I am super pumped about, given we're only six months into this podcast journey together. So to help me get there, the first thing you need to do is you have to subscribe to The Sucker, whether it is Apple iTunes that you're listening to this or whatever platform you are on. The next thing is make sure you leave a review. I love to hear what you have to say, and I read all of them, and it means a lot to me. The last thing, guys, is take a screenshot of whatever episode you're listening to and put it on your stories on Instagram and tag me. That's at SparkYourTraining. If you do this, I will repost it so you'll get a bump, I'll get a bump, and most importantly, we will share this information with a lot more runners because that is the goal, guys. We want to get this information in front of as many runners as possible to help them be healthy and stay on the road doing what they love. So take a screenshot. Share it on Instagram stories and tag me in it. Let's try and get to 50 reviews on the podcast. Thanks for listening.